clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. It's gonna you be know, okay. There, what I'm about to say right now is not true. But sometimes it might be nice just to have a team that's not good. I'm not gonna lie. There, there are some <laughs> elements of me that miss when Buffalo was like when we first started. Buffalo well, was, and you were always like, they can they can win eight games. It's still possible. <laughs> yeah. They can do it. If they win out the next nine games, they can make the playoffs. <laughs> Those, those were the days. I will say, listen, there was, there's a, the pain that I felt last year and this weekend is not that dissimilar to that one. Remember that one Ryan Fitzpatrick Bills game where we were like 0-7 or 0-8 and we played the Steelers went to overtime and Stevie Johnson dropped that touchdown and then, and then <laughs> no. he like blamed it on God in the press conference. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, those, those are all similar amounts of pain for me. But at least in that scenario, the next week I'm like, well, we never really were in it anyway. It's fine. Let's just enjoy football now. Um, those were the bite me during the episode, Colette. Um, just adding physical pain. I know, right? Well, it's because she hates me because she looks like a Bengal. Bengal. I think she is a Bengal. Um, she probably is. You're lucky that you're adorable. Um, yeah, it was tough. Oh my gosh, she's like wants to fight. Um. It was tough, but we don't have to. We don't have to start off the episode like that. Let's just do rant, rave, recall. I will start because I'm already in a bad mindset, and I want to get. I want to get excited about something. So I'm gonna rave about line play this weekend because I think we could talk a lot about quarterbacks, which we will, and we could talk a lot about like young coaches being exciting and innovative, which they are, and, and it's all really cool. But. I think what dominated the weekend was line play, both on the offense and the defensive side. Okay. And I saw this tweet from Lewis Riddick that I wanted to bring up and read and talk about because I think I agree with a lot of what he said here. He said, all uh, all I want uh, that we should talk about is line play, of offensive and defensive. That's what matters. He said, we need to have offensive lines up for MVP seriously. 
Um, this this is a blank kicking of the highest order front by the Philadelphia offensive line. That should lead every newscast, sports talk, radio, and everything this week. Um, and that was the Philly game. That we're not, we didn't even get to the the kicking that happened in the Buffalo game by the Bengals offensive and defensive line respectively. Yeah. Yeah. So I really think, you know, we will never unfortunately live in a world where offensive and defensive lines are up for MVP, right? It's just never going to happen. Um, but I think we could give them some more recognition because truly we talk all the time. We're, we're like, Oh, this quarterback's really great. If only their offensive line was a little bit better. Right. Or, oh, that running game is so good because their offensive line is good. That running back's not as good. We only ever use offensive and defensive lines as, like, a reason to slight somebody for not being good enough or being so super good. We never just hone in on, no, their offensive line's awesome. That's why they run the ball really well. Or their defensive line is great. That's why nobody can get anything done against them. And I think we saw that the only even like I said even in this even the Cincinnati Bengals who we had questions about their offensive line showed up and just smash mouth beat up the Buffalo Bills and of course the Philly game which Lewis Riddick was referring to the Philadelphia Eagles front five offensively and front seven defensively were just dominant um, and then in the Dallas San Fran game both of those fronts were awesome the whole game. Um, and of course it, you know, didn't end the way that Dallas fans wanted, but it was, uh, it was something to behold. And I think that they deserve some, some props here. So that's my rave. Yeah, that's good. I I like that. I'm just for, for the sake of, is he saying offensive lines as a whole deserve to be? Yeah, no, I don't know if we're ever going to be like left tackle Lane Johnson, number three (laughs) in MVP voting this year. But I think that, I think, you know, and maybe just, maybe they just do what the NFL always does or what sports entities do is let's just add an award right because now we have the offensive assistant of the year or the the assistant coach of the year yeah. award now th- those kind of things um so maybe it is just uh best o-line best d-line whatever but i just really think that they could deserve some more recognition than they've been getting so sure sure absolutely yeah they they you know we hear it weekly it's uh it's the it's the thankless job it really is but yeah, I appreciate you shouting that out because we really did see really great examples of it this past weekend. Absolutely, I myself am. I'm. I'm going to rave. I'm going to rave about Mike McCarthy and the Dallas hey, Cowboys. And I, I did this last week, so this is nice. Yeah. So I just feel like he really needs credit. Not credit for winning twelve games this year. Not credit for. <laughs> Ruining the the Tom Brady magic, guys. If you're a Dallas fan, you might want to turn your your. your I'm going <laughs> to rave like thirty seconds because <laughs> he was smart enough to know the final play against San Francisco last year was so scrutinized, and people were debating if I was dumb or if I shouldn't have done that. And I was like, no, I that was the right thing to do. So. To combat all of that, to make sure we didn't have any of those conversations this year, he called an even stupider play at the end of the game. <laughs> and so no one's being like, should they have done that? That could have worked, right? No one was you talking know, about the, the seconds running down. I think there are some people talking about it, for sure. <laughs> um, first of all, props to Zeke. Perfectly clean snap. Okay? Yeah, he is one of one clean on Clean snap, man. 
I was worried about that. I saw him line. I was like, Zeke's taking the snap. Hopefully it's clean. It was. <laughs> it was. Um, no, but seriously, the, the Dallas Cowboys, I picked against them in this game. So I got that joke out of the way. But I will say something that I was extremely wrong about, something I was very, very impressed about. And I knew the Dallas Cowboys had a great defense. I, I shouldn't say it that way because I thought the Dallas defense had a very good defense. But I was so impressed by their effort and that motor and their speed and their determination in that game. There were numerous times I was like, wow, like I didn't see that coming. I didn't think Dallas was going to neutralize San Francisco's yeah. offense the way that they there did. There were three or four times we looked at each other. We are like, what is this? Dallas's defense, it was, right? And until finally near the end, when the San Francisco is finally able to start getting some running lanes, I was like, okay, it's it's worn down a little bit. But they really controlled a lot through that game and kept them in it, and I was so impressed by that. So I, I do want to rave on that point, which sounds like it could be like, oh, like they lost, so it's easy to give that credit now. But I very genuinely mean, like I was I was very surprised. And you know, we'll we'll talk about them in a second here. But what happened that. It, what happened was exactly what we were worried about happening is that multiple times this year, Dallas has had a top five defense and they've had a top five offense just rarely ever at the same time. Yeah. And they they didn't, they had one, but not the other in that game. And I mean, outside of CeeDee Lamb, whose EPA per play was like astronomical. He was awesome. Outside of him, everybody else was pretty bad. I mean, none worse than Dalton Schultz, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, two raves. Look at us. Look at us. Being positive. I mean, yeah. Let's just get right into the divisional round wrap-up. Let's just go through each of the games before we cover the championship matchups. Jaguars at Chiefs. Chad Henney leads the longest touchdown drive of the season for Kansas City, which is really cool and fun. Anything's possible. A lot of people are talking about, first of all, great joke. I think it was Mahomes' wife that tweeted that. But Chad Henney didn't really do a lot on that drive. I just want to point that out. Like, good for Chad Henney. Yeah, I mean. Good for him, right? That's fun. It's a cool story, whatever. There's a second time now that he's come in um, and a Kansas City run and made some plays to continue drives that were very important for them. But I make no mistake that it was Isaiah Pacheco on that drive that really, really solidified it for them. But regardless, I mean, he still certainly a cool story. helped with that run. Um, but, I mean, we can't discredit that he got the ball at, like, the four-yard line. So That's true. But this – so this game was really funny because somebody, everybody was talking about what a legendary cover it was by Doug Peterson because they were given eight-and-a-half points. They were an eight-and-a-half-point underdog, and they were down by ten, and they decided to kick the field goal and then try to get the onside kick to go to the touchdown. And so while they lost, they still covered the eight-and-a-half points. A lot of betters still won. Jaguars minus – or plus eight-and-a-half. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't. This this is also this is mockingly in the way that I kind of did for Mike McCarthy, but during before halftime, they I don't remember who the sideline reporter. They were like, Doug, you're you're down by ten or you're within a touchdown. I can't remember what the score was. He's like, this is right where we want to be. Like, no, it's not. You want to have the lead. I understand like the metrics of you're on the road and you're the underdog, so like you don't want to be like down yeah, by down 40. by down by this right where we want to be. We're, um, we're losing, but we're where we want to be. Yeah, no, no not get out of here. <laughs> Listen, that I like Doug. Talk. I like Doug. He's done a wonderful job. With <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely! Team. But you're right. I remember that moment. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. So this was a game, and obviously we'll talk about the the major implication that came out of it here in a moment. But I I. What was your snap judgment outside of that, of this game? I mean, I think it was the classic what I have a problem with the Jags is, is that the offense, when it's good, is very good. 
But when it's inept, it's super inept, right? And so there were just times in this game where they couldn't get anything done. And though there were times where, of course, they did, right? I know that it ended up being, was it 28-21 was the final score? The final score was... I think it was 28-21 or 27-21, something like that. But, like, the Chiefs never really felt like they didn't have a handle on the football game, right? It, it always felt, to me at least, it felt like the Chiefs had a handle on the game for the majority of the game. Um, and then at the end, you know, the Jags did their best to try to, like, make it um, reasonable. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I will be excited for the Jaguars' future because, for one, that division's wide open. Sure, yeah. Um, I know that the Titans had injuries and, you know, they'll be back next year. We'll see what, what – But that's Tan- an aging team. Yeah, I, certainly, especially with – I think Tannehill's going to be 40, 30, 40, 34, <laughs> 35, right? So that's an aging team as well. Uh, you got the Colts in flux, who's going to be their next head coach. The Texans are in a full rebuild, who's going to be their head coach, right? Continually. So it's a very, very winnable division with a quarterback that's ascending. Hopefully they get a guy like Calvin Ridley in there. So I'm very excited for their future, but I was a little disappointed with their their effort level in this game. It didn't look like they were ready to clash with this type I of I feel like team. that's a great way of saying it because – I. It does – I don't know. Like, I don't want to say it comes down to effort because, like, they're NFL players and they're professionals and they're out there doing things that I can never imagine doing, right? But it just felt weird. I mean, this was a team that was humming on so many cylinders. I mean, I guess you can take out the the Week 18 against the Titans, right? Yes, when the offense didn't look very good that day. But I don't know. Like – I'm surprised, in my opinion, that they didn't run with ETN more because when he did run, he ran very, very well. The Kansas City Chiefs weren't doing a great job of stopping him. And I think it's funny that they ran a handful of times with Jermichael Hasty, which actually, when you look at his numbers, ran pretty well. But it was funny that there were so many times like, oh, here's the rare run, and then he just yeah, he continued his, to do it. His first carry had a really large run, which I think also – Bloviated his stats, a little, the stats bit. a little bit, but he had that one big run, and it was like the rare run. I was like, he's a running back. It's not like it's <laughs> the also, rare run from. The it's also back. like he's not. He's not like a. I can't think of. He's not like Cordero Patterson and Cordero Patterson's first couple years where he was a receiver, and then like he got a handoff every yeah. now and then, right? Yeah. It's like he's a running back. It's what do you mean? A, like I know that they don't use him a lot, but it was just really funny how they said it for sure. Yeah. I, I like this team a lot uh, heading forward or going forward, especially if Calvin Ridley comes back. I still haven't given up on him. But, yeah, it was just not not inspired. They, they didn't seem like they were playing inspired, which is like – you're right. I, I'm glad you pointed out, too. It's like they're professionals. Of course, they have effort. But I think you'd be silly and foolish not to admit that there are still some times where teams come out flat, and I think that – Jacksonville kind of came out flat, and that hurt them. Yeah, for sure. And I think no more so than you can see that by the defense. And the defense, obviously, it wasn't they didn't allow 50 points or anything along those nat- that nature. But especially when Mahomes was hobbled, right, there were, no, there were zero splash plays. There were no interceptions, there were no sacks, and there were no fumbles. You know, just, it's going to be tough. Which is really where I thought they were going to gonna catch up. So uh, we'll talk about the Chiefs again in a little bit here when we get to the championship game. Let's go to the second game of that. The Giants went to the Eagles and the story kind of ended, which is like fine. <laughs> but I really want it. You know, it was a fun story. I will say this. Uh, shown the GM of the Giants said afterwards, quote, there's obviously a talent gap that we need to close. We were 1-5-1 and one in the division this year, end yeah. quote. And it's true. I mean, they were a storybook season, right? They... The new head coach came in and he revitalized a little bit the career of Daniel Jones. Although there's some really fascinating side by side stats with 
uh, Taylor's first year in um, in Buffalo versus uh, our, our, with the McDermott and Bean regime versus Daniel Jones this year. It's very it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason with Daniel They're Jones. They're talking about wanting to resign him. I mean, he's 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 played very good, but I just. I'm wondering if it's more Dayball's just a genius, and maybe they, you know, we'll, you know, we'll talk about it in the offseason. But he makes a good point. One five one in the division, you still made the, the there. There's a there's a good thing and a bad thing about that, right? The good thing is you still made the playoffs, going one five one in your division, right? <laughs> That's very rare. And the the bad thing is, of course, you went one five one in your division. So we'll we'll follow this team closely. But I think if you're a Giants fan, you may not feel it right now. For sure, because you just lost and you know got crushed for lack of a better term. But I feel like you have to feel very positive about the future for the Giants. Yeah, I think overall that is what the belief should be. I mean, you just got to take this opportunity and, and grasp it, right? It's not something that you can take for granted to be like, oh, like we made it. So obviously there are improvements to be made because, I mean, you pointed at it. You just said 1-5-1 in the division. Like there are still some flaws on the team, and they everyone knows that. And I don't think the, the powers that be that are in that organization are going to whiff on the opportunity to improve. But, I mean, it, they're, hopefully the sky is only – continuing to clear from here on out because they they do have talent but it's gonna it's gonna start here i mean we 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 see this picture from time to time but we also see it oh remember when they made that playoffs that one year and then they fell off for another four years like that is possible sure but also it is possible and i made the bills comparison because of course this is the assistant gm from buffalo that came over and then of course our offensive coordinator we made the playoffs that first year with Terod taylor yep. And we were nine. We were nine and seven that year, and made the playoffs. The next year, we went five and eleven because we had a rookie quarterback, and we were still figuring things out. And then after that, of course, we did the ten and six year and made the playoffs. The twelve win or the eleven wins made the playoffs, right? Like so, it, this kind of thing takes time, and this might be the one blip where it was like, oh, things fell the right way. You hope it's not that way, but. I think that the GM and the coach have both proven that they know what they're doing and they can compete in the league. So I'm just hopeful they're given the time that they need to do it because, I mean, it's... Oh, I think they will. Okay. I think they I think will. so, too. I just, you This know. is going to be... I don't want to... We're not... This isn't a push all the chips into the table offseason for the Giants, but there are going to be some important things that happen this offseason for the Giants. That's going to make and it they, really fun to and watch. And they have picks. They have cap space. So, so we'll... We'll certainly uh, follow that closely, and then really it was just like I said. I pointed us out in the rave. the 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 Philadelphia Eagles line dominated on both sides of the football, and you know there really wasn't a moment where it felt like oh maybe the Giants can kind of <laughs> they, they I think they scored to make it twenty eight to seven or something in the third quarter when I had it on my phone, and I was like okay maybe they can string together a couple of stops and they make it interesting, and it just never ever materialized that way for them i just philly was the team that we all thought might go 15 and 1 16 and 0 that that's what they showed up as um and i you know i don't know if i expected them to be that dominant right because i thought it was going to be a close game but that's the reason why i picked them to go all the way is because i thought that this was the type of team that they could be and i mean you're the one that brought this point up so maybe you could talk about it a little bit is they're an amazing run team but in one of the most unique ways, because they legitimately, including if you include Hertz, have four great runners. Yeah, uh, Kenny Gainwell had over a hundred yards last week, ten yards a carry. 
Uh, Miles Sanders had 90 yards at over five yards a carry. Boston Scott, I think only had 35 or 40, but five yards a carry, right? Um, and mostly all of them scored. So, like, they just legitimately have four scary ball carriers behind a great offensive line. And I don't – that's – you know, we're, we're going to talk about it a little bit here, but th- that's the type of thing that wins a lot in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. And having that flexibility, three of those four runners did score – as well, you know, I just props to Boston Scott, the giant killer. I think he has like 20 career touchdowns and like 11 or against the Giants. It's so funny because I uh, something like that. It's something like that. That was the one of the podcasts I listened to. A betting guy comes on every week, and he's like, "What's your like anytime touchdown this week?" And he was like, "Listen, Boston Scott's like plus three sixty, and he always scores against the Giants." He was like, "If you're running around with free money or something, put ten twenty bucks on it. It's free money." <laughs> um, and then he did and score. It's right, but, but and you're it's right, correct. he did. But yeah, this is so, as much as we, we don't like it, you know, we come on, we're like, best weekend of football, and there, this is, we talked about, there always seems to be something of this nature, and I said this game could be it, because I said the Philadelphia Eagles could be like, you thought we were going to lose to these guys, and that's what happened, and so, you know, Philly. Philly! Philly, yeah, so they're, they're scary. And that'll be a that'll be a fun game. I'm excited to talk about the game in a little bit here. All right, let's go to Sunday. Here, here we let's go. go. Bengals and Bills. Here I'm we go, say, Jim. Here we go, Jim. Way better on Sunday. He still had some comments. Yeah, Way it, it wasn't as bad. <laughs> it wasn't as bad, but there was still some definite bias. So I'm, I'm you know, we'll do this way. I'm gonna say <laughs> my piece, and then I'm gonna toss it to you because I do. I genuinely want to hear your your opinions on this. I've, I've heard some of them, but so I tweeted this out. From our podcast Twitter that has like five <laughs> listeners, uh, followers. Uh, and I said this to you. Right now, the Cincinnati Bengals were just a better football team than us in every single category, including quarterback. I, if I'm, and I, we did the playoff quarterback rankings last week and I had Burrow above Allen. And I think right now, if you're ranking quarterbacks in the NFL, you have to have Burrow above Allen. And I don't like that. That's not like I, I hate that because I want to be able to defend my guy and say this, but oh, especially this year, but throughout his career, he's just shown a propensity for the turnover. And I continued all year say it wasn't going to be a problem. It technically wasn't a problem no. in this game, right? But Joe Burrow, Allen missed a lot in that game. I, if, if none more so than that comes to light. Bigger than that first drive where he had Stephon Diggs open down the field. And now he had a guy in his face. But Allen makes that throw often. Uh, could have been a touchdown. Could have been 7-7 to start the game. Instead, it's 14-7, right? Uh, there, the, the game, I want to say this. Josh Allen did not lose the game. But Joe Burrow was just so much better than Allen in this game. And that really was one of the deciding factors. But the true number one deciding factor, and I mentioned it early, is that every time Joe Mixon ran the football, he was getting 9-10 yards. Every time Joe Burrow dropped back the pass, there was absolutely no pressure on him. And the times that we did bring pressure, we had to bring all-out pressure just to kind of get to him. And then he found wide-open guys. I'm th- there's that one third and four at the end of the first half where they all lined up. And I said out loud, what are you doing? You cannot – like, we're not really going to rush this, right? They did Jamar Chase first down, right? So I just – they dismantled us at every at every stage, and it was so demoralizing, and I was so frustrated the whole game. And there really wasn't like – I think we made it 
I think we made the game 17 to 10 at one point in the third quarter because we it was 14-7 at halftime and or was it 17-7 at halftime? I think it was 17-7. Yeah, it was 17-7 at halftime because when we came in on our first drive, they did a field goal. And so it was 17-10. I was like, okay, we settled down. You want the touchdown there, but it's fine. Like, let's go. And then we didn't get anything else the rest of the game. It was just – it was frustrating. And I said this to you uh, personally. I'm genuinely afraid we may have missed a window here because now Allen's contract extension kicks in. Diggs' extension kicks in. We still have Von Miller on the books for a lot of money next year. Does Jordan Poro come back? Is he the same player after being injured so so often this year? Do we resign Tremaine Edmonds? He's going to demand a high contract, especially with what Roquan Smith just got, right? There are so many questions with this team, and it really felt like last year or this year we needed to, to win one. Um, so I'm legitimately I'm legitimately uh, bummed. You know, <laughs> like I, I really thought that it was our year this year. I thought it was our year last year with how we were going toe-to-toe with KC. But I don't know. I don't know. We got crushed. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 that is ultimately okay. That that happens. I don't think you're you're being dramatic with what you're saying. On on January twenty second of two thousand twenty three, the Bengals in all three phases were better than the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely, there there. I don't think there is much denying of that. But I don't think that means it's all doom and gloom in Buffalo, but I don't want to focus on that at this particular moment because I do want to to talk about specifically this game and not the overall beings of these two organizations as they continue, continue to progress forward with young superstars. That is great to see for the league. This was a game that... I was I was pretty shocked by it. I think I think a lot of us were not I wasn't shocked because of the winner. I thought Cincinnati was going to win the game, but I didn't think they were going to win it in that in that fashion. Especially when we saw what the elements were. I I thought, you know, we were either going to see a game that was 17-14 or I wouldn't that was actually more so what I thought we were going to see with with those elements versus oh like if it was a picturesque day that it was two weeks ago I was like oh this is going to be the I don't know what I said the score was going to be but whatever I was just extremely impressed with how the Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff prepared these guys adjusted the things on the fly and said like we're going to roll with what's working because I think one of the points you brought up was the ultimate key to the Cincinnati Bengals winning, and that was yards after the catch, yards after the contact. We go, we really, we couldn't tackle the whole game. I, it was so stunning to me because McDermott and Frazier all year, but their whole careers in Buffalo, that's like a stalwart for them. Is that is that our players are going to be where they need to be, and the play stops there. Right. If yeah, you're going to beat that, us, you're going to beat us any other way. But you're not going to beat us that way. And just every play, I that was I mean, every there, play, very much so. Almost every play, you're guaranteed to be like, okay, there's a missed tackle there. You, they have at least one. And really, as the game progressed, I feel like Cincinnati believed that they're like, we're going to shake our first guy and we're going to pick up something after. I don't know if it's going to be two yards, if it's going to be five yards, if it's going to be eight yards. But they're like, we're going to make the first guy miss. And I, I don't I don't know why that was. I don't know if it was just a, uh, a game of the yips, if you will, for the Buffalo defensive guys. Because you're right, for so much of this tenure under this regime, it has been, you're getting smacked and you're getting stopped 
but it was not that in this game. And, you know, I had to tip my caps, though, to to, to Lou Amaru, Arumo. I think that's how you say it. Anarumo. Yeah. He absolutely just, you know, there might not be a superstar player on that Bengals defense, but as a unit, they play really, really well. All and except for Eli Apple. Yeah, but. well, you know. <laughs> I was fine. I wasn't going to root against the Chiefs until Eli Apple started running his mouth. <laughs> I wasn't going to root against the Cincy until then. Now I'm rooting hard against Cincy. I will say this. Buffalo's got a lot of questions, like I said. We need some more pass rush help, and we need some offensive line help. I'm now convinced we need another receiver. I love Gabe Davis. You know how much I love Gabe Davis. I don't think Gabe Davis has been bad. He had another pretty good year. But the number that really is concerning for me, and that I think showed a little bit in the game because we couldn't get it to, we could not get it to Diggs. Although I'm in the comment that like sometimes you just got to try to feed your guy, right? Um, like I'm the, a little tired of Stephon Diggs. Right so, now. Um, you know, I made that comment. Davis had a player too. Dave, Gabe Davis this year had 102 targets. Guess how many he caught out of that? Uh, wow, I think 40. Three. Okay, wow, you thought he was worse than he was. He got 54 of those. But only catching about 50% of your targets is not good. I like that I was off by like eight, and you were like, wow, you were really uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Listen, only catching 50% of your targets is not good at all. And so, you know, I, I know that some of his targets are these down the field. go yeah, ball, Like, yeah. I, I understand that. But if in your and any of your receivers, but certainly your number two receiver has to be more reliable than that. So I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on Gabe Davis, but I'm ready to say that like we can't be bringing up 33-year-old Cole Beasley and 32-year-old John Brown hoping that they're going to be the spark that finishes out our, our offensive unit you know, through the wide receiver core. I made the comment all year that we didn't need OBJ, and maybe we didn't need OBJ specifically, but we need another guy, I think. I think we need another player in there to really round out that receiving core uh, because – you saw Jamar Chase was very good in the game, but just having the threat of guys like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd is another reason why they were so hard to cover. Well, the Bengals are a pretty unfair example. I know. I know that. I know that because Jamar Chase is on the rookie contract and, you know, that will all change. When well, not only that, both of them are, but both are legit. I mean, like when people are like, T. Higgins yes. will be the number one covered guy. He, if it, but, I mean, that's would. so true. Yeah, it is. They're the, I mean, they are the best core in the NFL. But I just, like... We need another guy, and I think that I have fought against that really long because I was like, no, we don't need that. We do. And I that – you know, the, the two dominating things that I thought from this last game were we need to improve a lot more of the trenches than I thought we did and that we need another weapon. Well, Those see, are my the, two. the thing is I, I don't disagree with you after this year, and I think for most of the year I also felt that way. The thing about Gabe Davis, and you can talk about the numbers, and they're they're still impressive numbers. Did you say he went over a thousand yards? No, 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 no. He had a hundred and two targets. Okay, targets. Yeah. But the thing is, just none. Very rarely was any of that consistency. You know, like he can he can take it that ninety five yard play against Pittsburgh, and he can do all those things. And you know, he don't earn the nickname big game gave by not having big games. But sometimes you don't need the big game. You just need the consistent guy. And I get that that's Stephon Diggs, but I just I was hoping to see more. And I get that they brought Cole Beasley back. Khalil Shakir. I, I like Shakir a lot. I, think, I know I you think, do as well. I think he'll play a big role next year. I actually do because I don't know. And who's to say? You know, Beasley might come back, or you know, I mean, who, whatever the receiving core is. But I do think that there's a big role for Shakir next year. 
Uh, I still think we need to add another guy. But that's regardless. Um, we don't have to linger on that much longer. Let's go to the Cowboys and the 49ers. The one truly good game of the weekend. Um, and it was the type of game that I love, but that the rare the rare type of game that I love that you also enjoy because it yeah. wasn't ineptitude from either of the offenses, which you say often when I talk about liking defensive contests, you say you don't mind them, but it has to be truly defensive contests. And this, just, is, this was defensive yes. dominance. Both defenses were punching each other, the, the offenses in the mouth, for lack of a better way to say it. And it was, I mean, it was really cool to watch, right? They just crushed it. And like I said, we, we mentioned this um, uh, earlier when we were doing Rant Rave Recall is that, you know, multiple times we looked at each other and I was like, the Dallas defense is like, because we knew that San Fran's defense was going to be a challenge for the for the 49ers offense or for the, wait, we knew that San Fran's defense was going to be a challenge for the Dallas offense. We'll we see in the know- AFC, NFC. Championship. <laughs> Go on, um, Yeah, I don't know. I There's certainly a lot of questions to be brought up about Dak and the offense. I think we might we might how do I say this? I think that too often we try to pick one game and make that like the linchpin of an argument for a guy or against a guy. I don't th- I don't feel any differently about Dak Prescott after this game. I mean, I don't either. I think there are extremist fans that are saying like we don't want four or things along that nature, but I I mean, whether you like it or not, he's your guy. But I I believe Dak is what he is, and there will be cowboy supporters that are saying turnovers don't matter, but you know, the guy missed more than a month of football and it was tied for the league or for the league lead, excuse me, in interceptions. Like he will turn the ball over. He will get a lot done at times, and that's great, and that's good, and you want that, and it's great when you put up 40 or 50 against a certain team, but eventually that will smash. So for you, um, what what's the biggest concern for you for Dallas going forward? I know that we you joked about that Mike McCarthy thing, and of we just touched on Dak a little bit there, but for you, what is the what's the number one thing for you? If you're like Dallas needs this, if they want to take that next step, because they haven't been to a conference title game in ages, right? And I have a list right here of uh, where is this? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, so quarterbacks that have been drafted since 2019 uh, with multiple playoff wins are. Uh, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and now Brock Purdy, right? Great stat. And so they all of those players have made conference title games. Here's a list of quarterbacks that haven't. Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Justin Herbert. So Brock Purdy in his first run is in a conference title game. <laughs> all these other quarterbacks that have been drafted in that same time have made con- – well, all of them, but those three AFC ones have made conference title games. And, yeah, we have – Dak and the Cowboys here still have it, right? And the and Dak's being paid like one of those guys, right? So I don't I don't think I don't think I would say it's Dak, but I'm just curious, what do they need to move on to that next round? Oh man, well I don't I don't necessarily know to say to advance to that next round. That's a difficult question. I think to remain in the conversation, there there I can think of a small list, but the number one on my 
list right now, and I don't know if it's going to happen. We'll have to see is retaining Dan Quinn because we saw great defense in that game specifically, but we also saw great defense often throughout his, his tenure there. And I think those guys are really clicking under what he brings. So if he goes on somewhere else, which, you know, I've, I've been outspoken. I don't think, I think Dan Quinn is perfectly suited to do what he's doing right now. But of course, as you work in this position, you want to be the head guy, right? So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see if he is hired as in, in one of the, uh, vacancies that are available right now that right now is my number one priority for Dallas though because I think the Dallas offense is turnover prone I know Dak came out and promised that the number would never be that high again which is a great thing to say that's great accountability I like that he takes credit for the mistakes that he makes more often than not but that doesn't negate that it still happens and and that's a thing so you know, turnovers become less backbreaking in the t- case of, of Buffalo or or Dallas when you have a defense that can be like, okay, so we had that mistake. We're going to to mitigate it now by not allowing the points to come because of it. If Dallas's defense takes a step back, like we've seen a handful of times in the last 10 years, I mean, like we've been here with Dallas before. We're like, oh man, like they can get there and then they, they take a step back. We've seen that happen. If that happens, I think Dallas is going to be in another one of those slump years because one of the other things, if I didn't say wide receiver, which would be close on my, because I mean, it's great to have CD Lamb. It'd be really were... cool if they had a guy like Amari Cooper to, <laughs> to be there. It, it, would, it would. But, you know, sometimes you can't force feed Lamb every single time, which is funny that, I mean, it was true, though. When Dak needed it, he went to CD Lamb and CD Lamb delivered. But occasionally, Fred Warner's going to be like, you know what? I'm not supposed to be on this guy, but I'm going to wrap up this guy, too. And I'm not going to let him get the football. And when you get locked into a guy, that can happen. But it, it's depth. I mean, we saw it. Injuries started to hurt the Cowboys down the line because when their defense took a hit at corner or at safety, they were like, we don't have the guys to step up and continue to do those things at that level that those guys did. So I, I'm not super down on Dallas. I believe it can happen. I don't think it will, but they, they have some work to do for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think my one thing that I had said in conversations with my cousins and with Mike is – I really think that depth is a huge thing. Um, we there was a conversation was had about you know Ceedee Lamb's awesome, but they don't really have a lot of team speed, right? Once Pollard was gone, they didn't really have anybody that's like I'm just going to run by people right now because uh, 35 year old Ty Hilton. Yeah, well, Ty Hilton was open for a touchdown at, down the seam in that game, and, he, and Dak missed him. But yeah, I don't know. So you know, it's a it's a team that we will always follow because they're the Cowboys, right? Um, but yeah, I, it was a good game. My God, Colette! <laughs> um, it was a it was a good game. It was an exciting game, and it came down to to the end. But uh, yeah, I don't. I, I think overall, what I want my to if I can deliver my closing argument is I still think of Dak as a as a top echelon quarterback. Maybe not the top of the pyramid pyramid, but I still think of him as as a, a top echelon quarterback. And this game, while it was a bad game, I think was just a bad game, not, oh, that's who Dak is. That's what that's what I want to end with. Sure. Okay. But, okay. Let's talk about the AFC-NFC championship. <laughs> um, 
Bengals traveling to Kansas City. My first note is blah. Oh. My second note is Burrow has Mahomes' number? Question mark? Question mark? He certainly has. Undefeated against. Uh, Brought jo- this up to you a month un- ago, and you're like, "That's against, dumb." Undefeated against Patrick Mahomes is Joe Burrow and the Kansas City Chiefs in his era. <laughs> um, Mahomes practiced today. He did Mahomes is going to play? It's looking um, okay. Right now, the Chiefs are only favored by two and a half points. I think at home. I think that's too low. I I mean, am I am I being biased because I'm going to root for the Chiefs because I don't want the Bengals to win? Is that what this is, or is I think the Chiefs should be favored by more than just two points, right? Uh, I mean, like maybe three, but no, not much more than that. All right, what are your what are your overall thoughts of the game? What are your this is gonna this be this is gonna be fun. This is a game last year that I was a total poo poo loser about because I was like, oh, the Bengals don't stand a chance, and they all they did was overcome a seventeen point. Uh, margin to to win the game and the Bengals have established themselves and I will absolutely crow about that I was wrong about the Bengals I was wrong about Joe Burrow this team is 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 legit and it's super fun and it's exciting and I mean I don't know how much I truly believe that it's Zach Taylor I respect the heck out of Zach Taylor for the way he handled everything a month ago and the professionalism that he brought and the humanity and the kindness to to Trump just a football coaching job I love that but I mean to be like oh yeah Zach Taylor like this turnaround I was like I mean you give a guy Joe Burrow Jamar Chase T Higgins like I was like it's gonna be pretty hard not to be a mad scientist with that so but I digress. I won't. I won't totally bemoan him because all he's done is one since this team has established its young core. But yeah, they do not. They don't fear anybody. But they do not fear the Chiefs. This is. Not, I don't think they should fear the Chiefs. I just think the Chiefs are better. I, in a way, don't know how or where I think that. Where 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 is the trump card that you're like they're so much better here than I don't know if I would say so much better but I mean I think that you know barring the ankle I still think Patrick Mahomes is very solidly better than Burrow sure I would take Mahomes they, over Burrow they're they're obviously Travis Kelsey incredible tight I think, end I think tight end's the only one I'd be like um, oh that's better and while the wide receiver cores definitely favors the Bengals. The Chiefs' offensive line is better, even though the Bengals' offensive line obviously had a great game last week, right? That's so far just one game. We don't know, you know, if that is going to continue. That's fair. And, you know, I really – like like the, the Bengals came out and had an amazing game plan against us last week, but the Chiefs have some real good players on defense. So, I don't know. I just – I think I would trust the combo of Andy, Need, Andy Reid and Mahomes better, and that's why I, I think that the Chiefs are better. Um, I don't Still don't know how I'm going to pick the game. But for me, I think the key to the game is last week, the Cincinnati Bengals imposed their will and Joe Mixon ran all over us. Can they do that again against this Chiefs team? Because I think that Burrow is going to get his. Mahomes is going to get his. But are the Bengals going to be able to assert dominance over the clock and possession with that run game uh, with uh, Mixon and Pirine? I don't know. But I think that is sort of a – that's going to be an untalked talked about linchpin in this game because we just said Buffalo missed a lot of tackles and they were after the catch, after the catch, after the catch. Does that happen again or is Casey able to mitigate it? I don't know.
Yeah, they they Kansas City did not mitigate it well against the Jags. The Jags just showed that they're behind the eight ball a little bit with with their age and their experience of being in this position. Like I said, Travis Etienne ran really well. There were guys, think of the Evan Ingram play, where it was third and a mile, and they were like, this is what the Jags do. This isn't surprising that he ran a crossing route and then was able to take it. Like, that should have been defended better. The Bengals are, they know they're in this position. They've been there before. They know how to play it. They have the guys to do it. Yeah, I think they shouldn't be favored by more than three. All that being said... Have you talked yourself one way or the other yet? Because I know all week you're like, I have no idea how any of these yeah, games are going to play is, out. This is, this is tough. I mean, weeks ago I was sitting in this living room. You asked me if the Super Bowl was going to be in. I said, I think we're going to get a rematch. Kansas City and San Francisco. Now I feel like I very well may pick against both of those teams in this championship game. Here, I outside of the injury of Mahomes, which you know I don't want to say is being overblown because it, it happened and it did hinder during the game, I've seen – I've seen video of Mahomes. He seems to be walking fine. There's not a significant limp. There's nothing along those natures of that nature. Excuse me. Before that happened, I I was Kansas City all the way. But I just think that the swagger and the confidence that Cincinnati brought against Buffalo, I I think it's tough against. I'm taking the Bengals. Oh man! I think they're back. Oh man! I think okay. I went okay. from saying okay. they were going to miss the playoffs so, to saying so they're going, going back to the Super Bowl. That'd be crazy. But it also, the more interesting would be who would come out of the NFC and what happens if they lost back to back. That would be rough. I am going to pick Kansas City. I promise it's not just because I'm going to root <laughs> for them against Cincy. I truly just think that. They're the better team, and I think that Mahomes, everybody's going to talk about this this ankle. I just think he's going to make the plays that we go, oh, man. that's. I hear you. I, I, I'm I saying 24-21, KC. Oh, man. I yeah. think it definitely is. A little middling of a game where it's not too high scoring, but it's not super defensive either. Yeah, I think it is at least 28-24. Okay, similar scores, similar scores. Um, yeah, I think I might that, flip on this Kansas City thing before the. No, nah, it's game. okay. It's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it'll be. I think it'll be back and forth in the sense that like the, a couple of them will have some you know longer drives that maybe end with a fourth down that doesn't get it or have to settle for that field goal. Obviously, I have only one field goal in the game, but uh, I just think that when the game comes down to the line, that Mahomes will make the plays. I believe in that. Um, but then I have to hear Nick Wright run his mouth about how I was right the whole time, but it's fine. All right, let's go to the NFC title game. The Eagles are hosting the 49ers. Last time Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy played, Jalen Hurts beat Brock Purdy 42-41 to when he was playing for Oklahoma and Purdy was playing for Ohio State, or Iowa State, rather. Five touch total touchdowns for Hurts, six total touchdowns for Purdy. So if we get that, we are in for a treat. The biggest story of this game. San Francisco 49ers, number one defense in the NFL, number one against the run in 2022. They have not allowed a 100-yard rusher all year. Um, however, and of course the the opposite, this being that Philadelphia was third in rushing attempts and number one in rushing this year. The, the interesting thing about this, though, is San Francisco played two teams that 
kind of similar to how Philly operates in Chicago and and uh, Atlanta. Now Chicago won that game, but you know that was a really weird, gross game. But it's okay Mar- to say that was the Trey Lance. Mariota had three total <laughs> touchdowns in his matchup against San Francisco. So. This is a very interesting game for a lot of reasons, as I always say. But San Francisco, great against the run. Philly, great running. It's the truest of true strength-on-strength games. And immovable object, unstoppable force. I don't know what's going to – I don't know which one's going to overcome the other, but it's – this is the most exciting thing to me this weekend. (laughs) Yeah. 50-50 50-50 chance on which ones we think are more exciting than others. Yeah, this is this is going to be a smash-mouth game. This is great. This is a fantastic NFC championship game. I'm really excited about this. I don't think I've been this excited about a matchup in this level in, in a handful of years. So it's going to be great. I mean, they are different-esque defenses, both very, very good. And we know that they're dominant, but they're I think they're kind of dominant in different ways. I mean, Philadelphia, we think about San Francisco bringing pressure and getting to the quarterback. Philadelphia has almost 25 more sacks on the year than San Francisco. I think Philly led the league, didn't they? Yeah, they had 70. 70, yeah. San Francisco had, I believe, 45. And 45 is a big number. Yeah, that's, that's nothing to scoff at. That's not being like, oh, that stinks. That's not. But I think that just shows how much more impressive 70 really is. Now they, they do it in some different ways. I mean, I think of, and I'm not entirely, this is, this is not a blanket statement, right? But I think more of San Francisco really taking advantage of the edges more than the middle, although they have great guys in the middle. But Philadelphia has guys every which way. And I know some of them are the older aging stars of Ndamukong and Sue. And, and I am totally blanking on the other guy's name that they signed. That's been – he was a Viking for a really long time. can't remember his name, and I apologize. Now, like, we'll have to see if the rookie steps up and we get more of the, the Jordan Davis stopping the, the run that we saw so much in the beginning of the year. Oh, man. I'm just so excited. I mean, like I could just talk in circles about this game yeah, all no, day. I, 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 what I – again, so the strength on strength is going to be the story people talk about. But I'm going to be – I'm another – you know, facet of this game, another angle, is watching guys like Hertz and Purdy, who have never been in this stage before, right? Yeah. I know that both, yeah. like, Hertz has obviously been in national title games, although he was pitched for Tua Tagovailoa, um, and Purdy had some bigger games in Iowa State, but never this big. But neither of these quarterbacks, regardless of the fact that Hertz was a second-round pick and Purdy was obviously Mr. Irrelevant, neither of these quarterbacks really had expectations of being in this spot, certainly not at the beginning of the year, but really not in their careers either. And now they're both in this moment, right? Now, Hurts has had plenty of time to become the guy in Philadelphia. And this is his team, and he's a leader. And obviously, Purdy is his 7-0, 8-0 now, right, stretch that he's been the starter. So there's certainly a lot of belief in him. I am so interested to watch how they respond to the moment and how they respond to the actual literal pressure that they're going to face. Because, like you just said, San Francisco's a great defense. They get to the quarterback. And Philadelphia is a great defense. They absolutely get to the quarterback. So I'm really excited to watch the gamesmanship of how do we, as offensive coordinators of both teams, handle our young quarterbacks who have never been in this moment. One game to get to the game that everybody wants to get 
all year. How do we handle that pressure for our young quarterback who has never done that before or never had to even attempt to do that before? I'm so intrigued about how each responds because I said that San Francisco only beats Dallas if Purdy makes throws in moments where he needs to, and he absolutely did. That he didn't have a wildly impressive game, but he made throws in key moments where they had to make it, right? Can he do it again? Because he's going to have to do it again. And Hurts, again, Philadelphia's third in rushing attempts and 23rd in passing attempts this year. So while Hurts has certainly improved a lot as a passer, they still don't do it hardly at all compared to the rest of the upper echelons of the league, right? So how do both quarterbacks respond in the moments where you have to make a play to win this game? Who's going to do it? I'm just so excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. That being said... I'm sticking with Philly. I said Philly at the beginning, not the beginning of the year, but early on in the season, I switched to Philly Buffalo. So I'm sticking with Philly making it. I'm going to say 27 21 Philadelphia. I think that this is both teams, I think, um, will actually find a, enough success running the ball to sustain some drives and score. Um, I think that it just comes down to which quarterback do I trust a little bit more, and it's Hurts right now. It's yeah. that simple. Yeah, for for me, I'm also I'm flipping the script. I'm gonna go with Philadelphia. I think both defenses are really really good, and I think both offenses have explosive weapons. But I just trust Philadelphia's a little bit more right now. They're at home, so they get that benefit that they don't have to go across the country. And, you know, whether or not it's a day of rest or whatever, San Francisco is, you know, McCaffrey, is he full strength? We didn't see him a lot near the end of the game against Dallas. I think he's going to be really important because the times that I've seen Philadelphia be weak is when they've been giving up chunk runs. And I think CMC can do that. But I think he's going to need to be out there and be consistently okay to go 100% or as close as 100% as you can be at this point, right? I just think four rushers, San Francisco can't key on in a key in on one guy to stop. That's gonna be tough. I'm gonna go with Philadelphia. I think it's gonna be 24-19. All right. Well, we both have uh, very close scores and very close games. So hopefully that's the way it goes. If it goes your way, we have Cincinnati versus Philly in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. And if it goes my way, we have Kansas City versus Philly in a couple of weeks. I think any of the possible matchups for the Super Bowl will all be exciting. Oh, I agree. Reasons, I agree. This is, is very this is, cool. This is different than a handful of years for me where I'm like, oh, I really yeah, hope I it's this. I think there's always years where there's like, ah, you don't really want that. But like, you know, as, as fun as it would have been for guys like us, for Blake Bortles and the Jags to make the Super Bowl, <laughs> uh, nobody really wanted that, right? Um, so I, I, it'll, I, it'll be really cool. I'm, I'm excited for the most part. So, Colette, do not knock over my laptop before we finish the episode, please. Thank you. Um, all right, I don't have a cold read. Um, I We talked a little bit about some of the things that I was going to bring up, so I don't have a cold read. Yeah, I have a cold read right. as right. to the the NFL honors. The, for the first time, I believe, the finalists were announced, so we, we know who they are. I want to specifically talk about two areas um, for you. I'm, I don't care about MVP. I don't care about defensive player. I want to talk about the rookies. So there are three rookies for each, offensive and defensive. So offensive, Brock Purdy shot up there. I, I'm not surprised, but 
kind of surprised, but I mean, just the narrative that's followed him, I'm not surprised. So Brock Purdy's on there. We have Kenneth Walker from the Seattle Seahawks, and then we have Garrett Wilson from the New York Jets. Who do you think takes it out of that list? So if Brock Purdy wins it, then it's a wrap for anybody who's not a quarterback for any award (laughs) ever. Listen, Brock Purdy has been great. Brock Purdy's story has been a lot of fun, but if if uh, if players that and I know that also Kenneth Walker was injured as well, but he played most of the season. Garrett Wilson played the whole season. If a guy like Garrett Wilson, who was really awesome, certainly especially down the stretch for the Jets, if he can't win this award over Brock Purdy, who played five and a half games to end the season, then it's a wrap. It's always going to be quarterbacks. It shouldn't be that. I'm going to say Garrett Wilson. Okay, because okay. I just it's like. Brock Purdy was great, and I and he also wasn't just like a game manager. Like he had what thirteen touchdowns, four picks, I think, in the regular season. So like he played really well, but it's just it, it can't go to him. It just can't. It's not fair. How about there should the... be a, there should be a, a game minimum for these awards. <laughs> you have to play more than half the season to be eligible for these awards. Defensive Rookie of the Year. We have Sauce Gardner, also those Jets, Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions, and then Tariq Woolen. For the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I don't know if this will happen, but I think it should be a jet sweep. I think Sauce should also win this. I think that Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner should win these awards. Like, I love the other players. I, I think Aiden Hutchinson was actually pretty inconsistent this year. I think there were times where he kind of completely disappeared, which is like, fine, you're a rookie. That's supposed to happen, right? Um, but Sauce Gardner was consistently the best player on that defense for the Jets. Defense that also is very, very good and surrounded with talent, right? So I think it should be a jet sweep, and I think that – we it was really funny how uh, how rare is it that we talk about a team winning the draft after the draft which we both did about the jets and that it actually turns out that the it pays dividends like this right um although shout out to uh seattle who we all kind of crapped on their draft a little bit but turns out that they ended up having (laughs) really great players as well um but i think it should be a jet sweep i think both of them should win okay yeah i disagree on both of those so you think so let me guess you think it's gonna be brock i think it probably will be brock i think it should be kenneth walker oh okay i think kenneth walker put i I mean he's awesome i get that gino (laughs) did statistical things that russ never did but there yeah. was so much like Seattle was middling. Yeah, and then they Kenneth were. Walker came in. He I steadied think the he ship. Steadied it. Yeah, and I agree. He helped them get to. It's work. a great category this year for both sides. And I think it should be Hutchinson. You do? I do. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I, think... I love Aiden Hutchinson. We both talked about how what a slam dunk he was that he fell into them at two, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think there's just times where I didn't feel like he was. I there. hear you about the consistency of Sauce Gardner, but I think down the stretch, because remember the first half of the year. Detroit's defense was bad. It was a liability. It didn't become that near the end of the year. Like, it was coming on. He he had almost 10 sacks. He had a handful of interceptions. Like, this guy made plays. Both are great categories this year. I'm very excited to see who wins all of them. Actually, who who wins all the awards, basically. But um, Probably going to be the quarterback. So, yeah. Oh, it's always the quarterback. That was my... Whatever. I don't want to go on that rant today. I've never... never They've never done this before, have they? No, I I don't remember last year coming out this early. It was like... um, You didn't hear about the finalists until, like, the show where it was like, and here are the finalists for... And I was like, oh, I mean, like, you could always, like, assume you knew who it was based on... I also didn't know they did five finalists for MVP now. I thought it was only three. There are a lot of categories that are only three. But also, like, MVP is a wrap, right? Like, we all know Mahomes is going to win it, right? I think it, it right? should be Mahomes. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think Allen should be in the conversation, but... Fantasy Corner! I've yeah, been knocked out. Yeah, you're going to have to pull this up because I don't I've know. been knocked out. Hey, Kat, you're in my way. You're in my way. 
or my way. Um, all right, so this is mine. Obviously, I lost Josh Allen. I lost Saquon. I lost Diggs, and I lost Buffalo's defense. So I. Oh, this is your week three. I was like, why did yeah. you take Pacheco? So I think I think that the Chiefs are going to make it. So I just replaced all my bills with Chiefs. Um, <laughs> okay. I went Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco. I went Kadarius Tony because I think that's the thing. So here's my thing: is Although that he's only Hardman might he's back. only being played by one percent. And if I am going to make an amazing comeback and, and beat you, because I'm not really going to win the, the pool. It's that impossible. I have to pick a guy that nobody else is picking that goes off. So I like I like Tony. I think his usage has gone up a little bit. He could score a touchdown, right? Um, and then I put the Chiefs defense in. So I, I don't really have a great try. Although I still have McCaffrey three times. Um, and then I have uh, A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard who scored. Uh, and uh, Jake Elliott all at three times points. So... Not the worst I've ever done, but it really hurt that Buffalo got knocked out. Um, let's go to groups here, and let's go to some of his catch. Let's go to Josh's picks. Josh is not out of – he's in the top <laughs> – he's in the top 10,000, which is like, first of all, pretty uh, – that sounds funny, but that's amazing because there's like a million people in this thing. So a top 10,000, amazing. Uh, so last week in the divisional round, you had Mahomes – uh, McCaffrey, Sanders, Chase, Debo, Kelsey, Gould, and San Fran all moving on. So you're going to have times three for everybody, except you'll have times two for Sanders because Sanders replaced El- or, um, Eckler. Yeah, which I got a little lucky on that. Yeah. I came on the show last week sure. and I said that I was going to go with the wild card of McKinnon. It was just that I had forgotten to, to set that before the game started, so I wasn't able to. So I... Had to put in Miles Sanders, <laughs> and it, which was a better play. This yeah, week. it was a better play for you. Uh, so you don't have to replace anybody. You're just gonna let it ride. Yeah. Now here's the other thing: is you can replace people. You just lose the points. So here's the thing: is if you really thought the Bengals were gonna lose, even though you're gonna get times three Jamar Chase in the conference round, you could replace him with somebody who you think is gonna go to the Super Bowl to get times two in the Super Bowl. So no, that doesn't make. I don't. Sense. It, I don't think it's worth it, honestly. Um, but. So you're gonna have yeah. I mean, three. honestly, for the, my fantasy playoff challenge and hoping to win Super Bowl tickets, I need my picks to be wrong. Like I need. That's the, true. You do because I will say I the, lead, the you have you have 380 points right now. The leader of the clubhouse and the fantasy challenge is a tie at 445 points, um, and they have uh, Bengals players. So if the Bengals don't make it, um, and the 49ers don't make it, then you could be you can have a chance. So. Let's take a quick look at the run your pool because I had a terrible week. I went two and two. Josh went four and zero, oh, and Mike missed one pick. And it's like I told I told, I said this to you privately. I said you have the advantage over us because we're both going to pick our teams. Um, so right now you're up by four points. I am officially out of it. I cannot catch up to you now. I needed a four zero in four weeks, so it's between down to you and Mike now for the run your pool. You're up by four points. Only three games left to pick. I don't know why this is message board. I don't know what that means, but uh, you already know. My, you know, my, we both know our picks now. So, so there we have it. Unless I change my Kansas City pick at that the last minute. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, all right, you got a French fortune, man. Before we sign off for the AFC NFC championship week. <laughs> yeah, I think we are going to see. I'm trying to think of a number that's crazy, but not so crazy. I think we're going to see in the Philadelphia 49ers game, I think we're going to see a dozen sacks. 
a dozen sacks. Wow. I'm going to write that down because that's that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm going to write 12 sacks. Okay, I'm also going to this game. So, I think that the Philadelphia Eagles, so they haven't so um Sanford hasn't allowed over a 100-yard rusher all year. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to have two 100-yard oh, rushers uh in this game. Uh now of course I said they're going to win. Um, but I think that I don't know who it'll be, right? Because they have four guys that could do it, but two of those four guys are going to run for over a hundred yards in this game. Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell. But Boston Scott's <laughs> going to do it on like three carries. Actually, I feel like Kenny Gainwell will be the one that would do it on three carries. But thanks for listening to the show, guys. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Simultcatch, Instagram Simultaneous Catch. Colette, do not turn off this episode before the end. Oh my gosh being a cat um i was gonna say something we only got uh really one more episode before the end of the season here uh we don't always do one right after the super bowl maybe we will maybe we won't um but yeah it's been a it's been a it's been a wild ride man it's been a crazy season here we are disappointing for me and for you but but now we can just watch without hesitation yeah enjoy championship sunday everybody god bless